Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. What's going on, Love Tribe? Welcome to I Do Podcast, where we interview the world's leading relationship, marriage, dating, and self-help experts. If you're single, 
dating, married, or struggling in a relationship, we're here to help give you the tools to succeed. And in today's episode, we welcome Linda and Charlie Bloom. And Linda and Charlie are what you might call relationship badasses. <laughs> They've been together for 48 years, married for 48 years, and have been working as psychotherapists and relationship counselors since 1975. So they know a thing or two about what makes a relationship work. And we just got into a lot of really interesting topics, but we focused in today on how to make a good relationship great. So if you're just kind of coasting along and you're happy, or maybe you're actually not even happy, the same kind of tools that we talk about will apply. But certainly if you're if you're just in a relationship, um, you can always look to, to be better. You know, that's why Sarah and I do this podcast is to give you guys great advice and then to, to get advice for our relationship because things are going good. And when we started the podcast, they were going good as well, but we're always looking for tools to make our relationship better. And Linda and Charlie really bring it with the tools to make a good relationship. Great. So definitely take some notes from these relationship experts. I mean, 48 years married and nearly just as long working with other couples. So really impressive. And as always, make sure you listen to the end of the show for a song from the band The Hip Abduction. Today we'll be playing you out with the song called Holiday. Really fun song, Sarah and I. Actually, it was the last song at our wedding. We liked it so much. And if you're in the mood for, for hitting the beach or going on a holiday, you'll see why. This is awesome little jam. Yeah, I was going to mention, we actually played this song twice because we love it so much. We played it in the beginning and then it was like the last song. We wanted to end it on a fun note. So we, we hope you guys enjoy it. And if you guys would like to support the podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. You can support us on patreon.com forward slash I do podcast, amazon.com. The links are on our show notes page as well as the description of this podcast and lastly audibletrial.com forward slash i do podcast get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial thanks so much guys we hope you enjoy the show we're excited to welcome linda and charlie bloom to the show today thank you for joining us Delighted to be here with you. So we've given our listeners just a little overview about what you guys do and all the great work you do in helping people improve their relationships. So why don't you take a minute and tell us why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships? Well, back in the day when we were early in our relationship before we had very high level of skill, we struggled a lot. We didn't get to enjoy our relationship as much as we do these days. And so there was a time that was so stressful, it looked like we were probably going to go the way of the separation and the divorce statistics. And I was pretty sorrowful about that and learned that love isn't enough. You need some skills. You need to develop some qualities in yourself. And I really have dedicated my life to saving people some trouble if I possibly can by telling before and after stories on myself. 
Uh, thanks for the question, Chase, and thanks for inviting us onto your show. Um, I think that probably most of your listeners have had the experience of, um, in response to your question, have had the experience of um, being uh, in service or of assistance to people. And uh, they probably know how good that feels to really um, feel like you're making a difference in somebody else's life. And like Linda said, you know, we've, we've learned quite a bit um, being on the kind of front lines of relationships and not just in terms of working with other people and other couples, but in, a, in our own marriage, um, we've been, we've been together for, um, let me see, 48 years. Wow. <laughs> so if you're going to be with somebody that long, um, you're going to learn if you, you're going to learn a few things, whether you want to or not. <laughs> so some of the lessons were learned voluntarily. Some of them were learned, um, involuntarily, <laughs> but, uh, we learned how to learn, you know, and, um, that's an incredibly valuable trait to develop. And, uh, that's one of the main things that we try to help people to do <clears throat> is to welcome the learning, um, opportunities and they are plentiful in committed partnerships. So, um, yeah, we've, we've been at it for, for quite a while. We're both trained as psychotherapists and marriage counselors. Um, you know, like Linda said, most of what we've learned has been OJT on the job training. <laughs> and um, we just get a lot of pleasure out of uh, sharing some of those things with other people through our workshops and our practices in their books. Mm -hmm. Well, 48 years, that is awesome. I gotta say congratulations. And what do they call the 50 year wedding anniversary? Is that the diamond? Uh, uh, that's the golden one. Golden. All right. 75 years. Not too many people make it to that one. <laughs> well, um. that, that's amazing. And, and I'm sure just in, like you said, in your own uh, relationship and then certainly in the work that you've done with others, you've learned so much. And you're going to have a lot of great information for our listeners today. And I wanted to kind of zero in on talking about a lot of times we talk about like struggling relationships and the tools that that people can use to, to fight through it. But I want to talk about if you're in a good relationship. So things are going along, you know, things are good. You don't really have any complaints, but they're not great. You know, they're not as good as as they could possibly be. So. Let's talk about that and, and maybe the place that we can start is what is maybe the primary difference between a mediocre relationship and a great one? Well, we've worked with so many couples over many years and we find that it's the depth of intimacy that sets the okay relationships or the good relationships apart from the great ones. And if a couple can create that delicate balance between safety and challenge. That's the winning combination. We did this um, research project with the happiest couples that we could find, and we interviewed 50 couples, and they told us that they had worked out this balance. They said it in many different ways. Often you find one who's really good at 
commitment and togetherness and being bonded. The other person is good at autonomy and individuation. But if you can slide up and down that spectrum, and if you're champs in both departments, you can get that element of safety, which really helps people to feel secure, that um, they're deeply loved, that they're not at risk, and also the challenge factor, so that you've You've got to be willing to let go, individuate, have your own life and have your interests and your friends apart. And you can bring that richness back into the relationship. The other thing that um, in addition to the depth of intimacy seems to be the willingness to be lifelong learners. These couples who have been together for decades, some of them that had hit the 50 year mark and beyond, they, they spoke to us about novelty, adventure, change. They didn't ever get complacent in their lives as individuals or as a couple. And they would travel. They would take classes separately and together. And they would keep the relationship sparkly because they were always on that growing edge. So I think those are two factors that could really give your listening audience some uh, food for thought and to have some conversations with their partner about what their partner might really want to take it to a higher level. And we always encourage people to go for the gold. While you're at it, why not have the greatest relationship you possibly can have? Yeah, I mean, it's like we're in this relationship, in this life, and you can just kind of coast along and and things will be more or less okay. You'll be comfortable, but you're not having the richness of experience that you could potentially have. And why not go and try to take that next step and, and get outside of your comfort zone? And you'll go to places, I'm sure, that, that you never even, you didn't even know you could feel that great or feel that loved or, or feel that much love for someone else. Absolutely. And we need to know ourselves well enough and be brave enough to be able to expose our vulnerability. I use the word intimacy and people toss that term around without defining it. So we're always careful when we teach our classes and work with couples individually. This is intimacy, innermost. If we are in touch with our inner life, our feelings and our needs, and we're willing to expose those, and we only do that with a very select amount of people, do you know? We don't just show our most vulnerable self to any old body. But hopefully, people who are partnered in a committed partnership, hopefully a lifetime partnership, they will be that special person that we will reveal the most tender and vulnerable feelings of fear, sadness, and our, you know, our deepest needs. And when people create the kind of context where they can reveal that much of themselves, that is a vital relationship. Well, I'm glad you went into that because I wanted to ask, you know, the steps of someone, they want to create that depth of intimacy. It's really about, seems like, opening up the dialogue. Is there a an exercise, a communication exercise that someone, a couple can do to sort of kickstart that conversation? Well, there are a few um, guidelines that we offer to people um, that can facilitate that, that process. And uh, let, me, let me just share a few of the steps that, that we see um, will support that. 
the, the first thing, um, which sounds pretty obvious, but a lot of people um, neglect it, is to acknowledge to yourself and your partner what your intention is. You know, that you have a desire to really experience um, emotional closeness. And, um, and then to get, you know, specific about what form you'd like that to take. When we hear the word intimacy, a lot of people immediately think of it as being sexual, which, of course, it can be. Um, intimacy can take a lot of forms. It, it can be um, emotional intimacy, sexual intimacy, physical intimacy. Um, so, you know, to really um, identify the urge, the desire, uh, as it shows up for you, um, as a thought, as a sensation in your body, and to to um, experience that desire, and then to to express it, you know, with your partner. And it could be something very generic, like I'd like, you know, uh, I'd like us to have more intimacy in our relationship, or it could be um, something very specific to this moment, like, you know, uh, I would really like us to, you know, use this time to, to connect um, and to, to create an agreement, which is another step in the process <clears throat> that people often neglect. So they may have that desire and then immediately just kind of jump into um, behavior or uh, a, a type of relating that is designed to bring that experience about without really checking with the other person to see where they are. They may be preoccupied with something else. They may be very receptive. They may be distracted, but to, to just check in with them after you, you recognize that desire and then to see, um, is that something that is you're up for right now? Could we use this time? Is this a good time? Um, so to create agreement, and, um, you know, intimacy begins with being present, being here, being connected to your own experience. You can't really have an intimate experience with another person if you're not present with yourself. So, you know, it's, it's like the sign in the casino says you must be present to win, um, so to be intimate, you, you, you've got to be present. And presence has to do with being in touch with and connected to the full range of experiences that you're having, um, being mindful of what your physical experience is, what your mental experience is, what your thoughts are, what your emotions are, what your feelings are, what your physical sensations are. Um, and, uh, of course, um, being emotionally honest with your partner. And that means that you have to have a certain level of trust in the relationship in order to feel safe enough to be, as Linda pointed out, to be that vulnerable. Because intimacy is really about being um being non-defensive, not having your 
defenses up, not protecting yourself, but really, um, really being open to receiving what your partner is giving you physically, verbally, whatever, and being open to giving him or her um, the direct experience of what's what's going on for you. So, so just to you know, those are some of the things that we we try to encourage people to be um, to be mindful about, um, to be honest, to be present, to create um, agreement, to acknowledge your intention. And, you know, it, it can seem at first like, wow, this is really complicated stuff. How can I remember all this? But it's like, you know, it, it actually is a skill to create intimate, to be able to create intimate connections with people. And like any other skill, whether it's playing a musical instrument or learning a language or, you know, whatever it requires, um, it it starts out being somewhat daunting it can feel kind of challenging uh and at first it does seem kind of complex but after you've done it a few times after you've really experienced true intimacy it it, it becomes much more effortless and um natural because it is our natural way of being it's just that we've learned a lot of ways of emotionally protecting ourselves from the possibility of getting uh rejected or getting our feelings hurt so we have to kind of, um, when we begin that process of getting intimate, one of the things that we experience is some of those defenses that we put in place to protect us. And so we have to, um, you know, be mindful about that too and be gentle with ourselves and with our partner if sometimes, you know, we we feel some resistance to it. Yeah, it's... Uh it seems, I guess it can seem complicated, but it's also so simple. Like you said, just simply acknowledging to yourself and your partner your intention to create more intimacy. You know, that's like the first step is like saying, okay, we're going to have a conversation about, you know, becoming more intimate. Just kind of stating the the object of, of what you are trying to do and then proceeding from there and and. I think especially in today's day and age where a lot of time both partners are working, um, there's so much media to to consume with, with Netflix and the internet and social media. And I think that is kind of an easy way that is creating a block in a lot of relationships for intimacy in addition to obviously the, the foundational reason of maybe – that the person is not accessing that part of their, you know, that part of their psyche and not open to having that conversation or not feeling trusting. But it seems like it's, it's actually harder and harder today to, to get past all the clutter of, of modern day life and busy and go, go, go to just sit down with your partner and be like, check in with them. How are you doing? Um, do you find that with a lot of couples? We find it all the time, and we recommend to people that they have sections of their week where they don't have their laptop on, where they turn off their tablet, where they don't answer their cell phone, where they put those things away, 
So, you know, it used to be that people were just distracted by work and the kids and then the TV. Now they got the work and the kids, the TV and all these tech devices and they're very seductive and they're really addicting. And sometimes people feel anxious when they don't have access to them. But um, I'm from the from the school of thought that you really have to declare, you know, some sacred time. This is going to be time just for the two of us. It's not to be interrupted. We don't answer the phone. And we put the the rest of the world has to just fade away. And we cordon off this little time, this little space, just for the two of us. And sometimes people have resistance. They want to have it be spontaneous. I said, that's great. Have the spontaneous, but have the designated time, too, so you only always know that there's some time that you can count on, and then you can add in the spontaneous ones afterward. And sometimes when people give themselves a chance to feel how delicious it is and how sweet it is and how full their soul tank is when they have those intimate connections, how rejuvenating it is, how bonded you feel with the other person, how much fun it is, then it starts to have a life of its own. But getting it rolling in the beginning, you know, people just get in their habituated patterns and they're not intentionally avoiding, but they're not making the declaration that this is something I must have. There's usually one in the pair who longs for it more than the other. And I always tell, you know, figure out which one is the one who's yearning for it. And that person has more responsibility to see to it that you get that on your calendar among all the competing urgencies. I mean, just personally, I find myself almost, I guess the best word is like addicted to my phone where you're just unconsciously bringing it out at all times to check your email, check your text, check social media. And so finally, uh, a couple months ago, I was like, this is crazy. And I, I sort of, and this is, it's helped our relationship too. But even on a personal level, I was like, okay, so what I did is I said, no phone after nine o'clock. And, you know, we go to bed at 11. So that's just a little bit of time. But at least every night, it's just no phone. I'm able to connect with uh sarah and we talk or sometimes we we watch a show and and uh but it it's so easy to just even we're not even consciously doing it but we just bring out that phone bring out the laptop and instead you're you're creating almost more distance between you and your partner undoubtedly that is so true and um it's such a blessing to have a partner with whom you can share reciprocal support to interrupt some of those um, addictive patterns to technology. It's very, very difficult to do it on your own without support. Um, but when two people are in relationship with each other and they both have a commitment to carve out the space, which is literally required um, to have these interludes of, of, of meaningful, deep connection, even if it's only for a few minutes at a time. Um, and there's an agreement that we are not going to be pulled away from, nothing is going to take us away from this experience that we're sharing for this period of time right now. And, and that we're, we're going to uh, be disciplined about 
not being enslaved by the technology that um, is so useful to us in our in our work life um, and in our social life. But this is our intimate. This is our intimate life. And the technology isn't necessary here. It's not helpful. It's just a distraction. And this is going to be uh, a tech-free zone. And, mm-hmm. and so having that kind of an agreement is very powerful. There are a lot of parents who are really pretty on purpose about limiting the uh, viewing time on the tech devices with their kids, but they don't limit their own. Do you know they're they're shooting to one hour a day? You can have screen time, but they're they're not using the same kind of standards for themselves. And this conversation began with how do you go from good to great? And the good relationships they can get defined by their role as parent, roommate, business partner. But if if those roles predominate and they don't have enough lover's time, both emotional and sexual, the relationship will will not thrive at the highest level and stay in the great zone. It'll it'll be okay, it'll be good, you know, it won't be in danger necessarily of separation and divorce. But to hit the high levels, you really have to be very focused, make a relationship and the connection a priority. Because there's some things that may need to be cleaned up, incompletions on misunderstandings, so resentment doesn't accumulate. And also, you just need to really enjoy each other and have some fun. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. It's not, nothing good happens by itself, you know, or, or we could say nothing great happens by itself. A good relationship, you just coast along, but to really make it great, like you said, you have to have that focused energy and consciously say, you know, uh, whether it's we're going to put a rule in place, no the no tech zone, as you said, Charlie, or uh, whatever it is to have that time. And it, you mentioned it could just be a few minutes. And I think that's important, too. It's not like you need to sit down every night for two hours and, you know, talk to each other on the couch. Obviously, we understand, like, sometimes you just want to unwind after a long day. You you had a long day at work and you don't have the energy. But even if it's a couple minutes I think it's so easy to not do that, to just go into the, into, into your phone and, and watching TV. And even if it's together, you know, it's not like you'd be off doing that on your own. You could be doing that together, but just take a few minutes to, to put that away and, and check in with your partner. And that's all going to accumulate and I think be so valuable. Yeah. You can, um, the value that you can experience in, like you say, just a few minutes of really pure connection time is in terms of the benefit to your relationship, it's infinitely greater than it is to spend a whole day together, but just dealing with superficial things and business matters rather than getting open and honest and connecting with each other. Not that there's anything wrong with dealing with you know the mundane aspects of life we got to deal with that stuff but if that is encroaching on all of the rest of your time together and that's the only way that you're spending your time and there isn't any time for meaningful connection then um it's not 
just likely, it's inevitable that your relationship is going to be harmed and diminished. Yeah, you know, I don't want our listeners to be intimidated. That's, you know, just a few minutes in, in, in focus, like you said. And that's why I love that you, not, you didn't use just intimacy. You said depth of intimacy. And that's, that's really what it is. You can be sort of surface level and you think you know your partner and you're having these conversations, but there's no depth to it. It doesn't have to take long. It just has to be the real thing. You know, it has to be genuine and sincere, and a few minutes can be really deeply satisfying. When Charlie says to me, uh, I love you, I often tell him, give me the details. (laughs) And I want to know the specifics. You know, what is it about me this day? What was I doing? Was I saying? How is I being? That evoked that feeling of warmth and appreciation for me. And I do it with him, too. And those those few moments of, you know, what I'm appreciating about you right now is you're such a wonderful provider or you're just an A number one granddaddy or I'm just loving how you're making me laugh today and poking, poking fun and it's so good natured. But I think those kinds of moments really enliven a relationship. And it doesn't have to take long, but they need to be frequent. They need to be woven into the the daily practice, do you know? We, we talk a lot about um, relationship as a spiritual practice. And people think nothing of, nothing of carving out an hour every day to sit and meditate, for instance, or to do yoga every day. But they somehow think that just because they love each other, the relationship is supposed to run itself rather than having rituals and practices, um, connection practices, uh, acknowledgement and appreciation practices that keep the relationship in really good shape. Yeah, you got to exercise that relationship muscle. I love that. <laughs> you know, it it requires that constant attention and and I really like that sort of piece of advice. I would encourage I think I'm going to apply that to our relationship and I would encourage our listeners of like it's it's almost like a cop out if your partner just says I love you, you know, you it kind of loses its meaning sometimes if you say it so much, but then you can say, "All right, give me the details." And <laughs> I think that's it's such a kind of simple thing, but and then it, you have to sort of be more mindful of saying I love you and and what and it's going to make your partner feel more appreciated when you explain why you said that. Not only will it make them feel more appreciated, but as you respond to that request for the details, you will be re-experiencing the gratitude and the appreciation that you have for that person. So it's a gift to yourself too, because then you get, you get filled up with the good feelings and the memories and the experiences that you've had <clears throat> that have um, kind of compelled you to express your love and, and the expression of it deepens it. So it's really uh, a great win-win. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody benefits from it. I'm very fond of Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, and he talks about the people who are most accomplished in their field, athletics, in the arts, business, Um, but he, he doesn't talk about relationship in his book, but the exact same principles apply. And he talks a lot about the 10,000 hours that the people put in 
to become accomplished violinists, for instance. You know, they practice regularly every day and they really go in depth with whatever their art or whatever their commitment is. And it's the same in relationship. Making it a priority, being very devoted to keeping the relationship in good shape, scanning all the time for how you can make your partner's life a little bit easier, um, finding out what they want and helping them to get it, being a support to them, being believing eyes, seeing their strengths when they may not even own up to them in themselves. These are all ways to take the relationship from the from the okay zone into the zone of mastery. Yeah, I love that. And it's just so interesting that we want to work on our business life, uh we want to work out and get our get in shape and and do all these things, but kind of the most important thing in life is the are the relationships you have and oftentimes like you mentioned earlier, we just expect them to kind of run, you know, run themselves. And uh, that's kind of what we hope to do here on the podcast. And the great work that you guys do is you're giving people the tools to to exercise that those relationship muscles and, and, and make them great, you know, or save a struggling relationship and then work towards making it great. That's right. And I think if people were more aware of the bang that you get for your buck when you invest in relationships, they would take some of the time and attention and energy that they give to other aspects of their life that maybe are getting more than enough time and attention. Um, It doesn't mean you've got to give up your job. You don't have to stop working out at the gym. You don't have to um, stop doing the things that you enjoy doing. It just means giving uh, a higher quality attention and a little bit more focused, intentional time to investing in your relationships. You know, investing is, is about putting something in and getting a bigger return than what you put into it. And um, it's not something that you have to do. It's a it's an experience that you can have um, if you and you will have it when you really begin to see and experience the benefits and the value uh, for yourself. So we encourage people don't take our word for it, but uh, give it a shot. See what happens when you do intentionally um, devote uh, a little bit more time and attention and energy not just to your primary relationship if you happen to be fortunate enough to have one, but to your relationships in general. Because everything we're saying right now applies to all relationships. Um, This is not just for people who are in a committed partnership. But when when you bring honesty and openness, vulnerability, authenticity, intentionality, when you bring these things to your relationship, what you're doing is you're increasing the likelihood that you're going to get this back from your partner, from whoever it is that you're dealing with. And you're creating a positive cycle, which is the antidote to breaking some of the negative patterns that many of us have grown up with. Absolutely. And it's all such valuable tools, like you said, for all of our relationships. 
Uh, real quick, before we go into the lasting love round, I want to talk about the other tool that you said that can make a relationship go from good to great, and that was a willingness to learn. So what would you tell a partner listening whose significant other maybe is not exhibiting a willingness to learn with them? Um, what would be a step that they can do to sort of try to get them on board? Well, by doing our own work and seeing our partner is paying attention, they can't help but notice if we're thriving more in our life, if we're risking, if we're growing, if we're excited, if we're enthusiastic, if we're happy camper, they're going to notice that. And I think that inspiration is often contagious. There usually is one in the pair that's more enthusiastic about going to the workshops or going to therapy or going to couples counseling or reading the self-help books and, you know, doing the spiritual practices. And that's commonplace. So not to be too pushy about it, but lead by example, that sometimes um, it, it, it contagious to the other person. We, um, often have one partner who wants to do our workshop and the other person comes kind of driving with the brakes on. You know, if it means that much to you, okay, I'll go. But I'm not going to share in there. And they kind of can't help themselves because when people open up, it's very compelling. You know, it's fascinating when people are speaking, you know, from that raw edge, from their depths. And it does um, tend to perk people's curiosity about, you know, maybe I could have a little bit more richness in life. Maybe I could have a little bit more enthusiasm for what I do. Maybe I could enjoy a little bit more intimacy. And we always mention in class that this is not just psychological, emotional benefit, although that benefit is huge. The scientific research is coming in copiously about the health benefits that people in really great relationships are living longer and healthier. They have lower incidence of cancer, heart disease and strokes. They have fewer medications and they have fewer hospitalizations and fewer surgeries. And when they're in the hospital, they don't stay as long. So all of this evidence is coming in about longevity and health. And people, generally speaking, want to live longer and to be healthier as they live longer. And when they start to connect the dots, we always want to appeal to their enlightened self-interest. They start to see there's a lot in it for me <laughs> to learn more about, you know, really how to have the best possible life that I can have. And maybe it's not such an ordeal as I'm making it out to be. Maybe this is just kind of common sense that if you have good relationships, you have health and a good life. Just lead by example and and the partner will, will follow. All of this is just great information, but we have to move forward to the lasting love round. What is one tool or practice our listeners can use on a daily basis to help improve their relationships? Well, one of the things that Lynn and I have been practicing as a tool for quite a few years is just daily checking, which is really simple, and um, but it goes a long way. And that is to, to find a time generally... Um, it's it, it's it's best if it's the same time of day each day, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. But that um, you take um, 
a certain time slot of doesn't have to be more than a few minutes and just check in with each other and let each other know what what's up for you right now what are you experiencing what's on your mind what's in your heart what's there you know we we do it in the morning we tend to get up pretty early and um we have full day but we we get up early enough so that we can you know we can take a few minutes before we do anything uh even get out of bed and just turn and face each other and just let each other know where we are and then just kind of respond from our experience very spontaneously um and that practice really is a terrific way for us anyway and for other people that we know who have used it to start the day because we we not only um live together but we we work together too we're spending a lot of time um physically together but much of that time we're doing separate things so um we know that we're guaranteed every single day to have some time that is not devoted to anything other than um getting in sync with each other and with ourselves at the same time so that's that's one practice that i would really encourage people to consider trying i love that and you guys are coming up on your golden 50 year anniversary so i'd say that's a good one to use <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think it's important um, to have a daily practice of saying, I love you. And I do it first thing in the morning when I say good morning to Charlie and I say good morning, my love. But I check, you know, later on the day, did I tell you that I love you yet today? Just to make sure I don't want a day to go by where he would ever not be able to feel my heartfelt love for him. And he often says to me, have I shown you that I love you yet today? And I often get to think about the sweet little things that he does to help me to feel loved. So I think that's a that's a practice um, that people can weave in easily, just takes a few seconds. We also have another one that's a lot of fun. When somebody's been away from the house and they come home and one of us yells, honey, I'm home. The other one yells, hooray. <laughs> I love that. That's cool. It just makes you feel welcome. It yeah. makes you feel valued and important and you know we rejoice in each other's presence and so those kinds of little little touches they just sweeten a relationship up and make it joyful yeah uh that's that's awesome really really good i'm gonna i'm gonna do that next time i come home sarah's sarah <laughs> comes home Hooray! <laughs> sarah and our one and a half year old i'll get her to do it with us she'll feel even more love yeah and I'm a big believer in good night kisses. Is there a book or resource you can recommend for listeners who want to improve their relationships? Well, of course, I think our books are wonderful. Um, 101 Things I Wish I Knew When I Got Married is the first one. Secrets of Great Marriages is the second one. And the one that came out last April is called Happily Ever After and 39 Other Myths About Love. So I think our books are splendid. They're real practical. They're distilled down to essence so that they're reader-friendly. They're not big, heavy tomes that people have to study. And I'm very fond of Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages. His book is also distilled down to essence, and I think it's really important for people to know their own love languages and 
their love language of their partner. We have people who've been together for decades who are not really quite sure. So it's important to know whether acts of service or words of affirmation or how you spend your time or touch. Do you know these are all important and our our love language, our favorite might not be our p- partner's favorite, but we tend to give what we like to receive. But there might be theirs might be different from ours. Yeah, it's so important and those are great recommendations and we'll have those with the links on your show notes page at idopodcast.com and you can go to the archives and all those links will be there. Sarah and I have been married for almost two years. Is there any advice you would give newlyweds? Two words. Dream big. Mm -hmm. One of the myths in our book um, is that people expect too much from marriage, um, that their, their expectations are unrealistic. And we have found it to be just the opposite, that both Linda and I have each experienced way more than either one of us, not only that we, than we expected, but uh, more than we even thought was possible. However, <laughs> there is a caveat here. Um, you've got to be willing to pay the prices um, in terms of what what is possible. You can have, you know, if you, you think of what your ideal um, result would be in a, in a perfectly successful marriage. And um, that, that's possible and probably even more. And uh, you're going to have to put your time in. You're going to have to put, pay some dues. You're going to have to be willing to take some risks. You're going to have to be willing to experience some discomfort. You're going to have to be willing to be wrong sometimes. Um, but if you're willing to learn and you're really willing to to do what's necessary, you can have, you really can have the relationship of your dreams. It really is possible. So dream big. I agree with what Charlie's saying about letting your imagination be big and going for the gold and reach really high. And what I would add to that is, Cherish, honor, and respect each other. And particularly the kind of respect that I'm referring to is respect the differences. Learn from the differences. I think there's a very deep natural knowing inside each of us that is like sonar and takes us to the other person to partner with. And of all the thousands of choices that we made, we made this particular person, and they may be very different. They may have different style. They may be introverted when we're extroverted. There are so many differences, and they can become divisive. But if you cherish and honor and respect each other, you will learn from each other's strengths, and they will grow us into a bigger person. And together, we can be each other's teacher and we can be each other's student and we can be so much more than we could be without opening to the influence of our partner. I love both of those recommendations. Last question is, what advice would you give our single listeners looking for a happy relationship? To be the person that you're looking for. In other words... Try to focus more 
on the qualities that you really appreciate and respect and want to see in a partner um, and allow yourself to see if you can develop some of those same qualities yourself within yourself because like attracts like and um, sometimes you know it's it's easy to envision the ideal partner but it's going to take more than just visioning that person and trying to attract them what we can do that's going to make us more attractive to that kind of a person is to be that kind of a person be the change you know that you need to be in order to bring the person who is going to be able to meet you um where where you want to be met yeah yeah it's so true yeah rather than um focusing on how do i get that person you be that embody those qualities so I'm totally uh, with Charlie about that one, about instead of looking for the partner of your dreams, become the partner of your dreams. And I think it's important. There's some of us, I'm, I'm in this group, I'm a recovering perfectionist, who, who expect to find the perfect partner. There's the perfect soulmate out there. And I'm, I've become more realistic as times go by. I'm still a real romantic but I believe in on-the-job training. And if you can find somebody who really is open to lifelong learning, who's open to personal growth, who will work with you with whatever the relationship tosses up, you've got a real good foundation to co-create the relationship of your dreams. But it's nobody's going to fit the bill if you've got perfectionistic standards and you find you think you're going to find somebody that's got it all together already because we usually don't have it all together already. We're still in process ourselves too. So to find somebody who's willing to roll up their sleeves and, and put some time and effort into co-creating with you, that's a very good start. Absolutely. And You've given our listeners so much great information, and uh, we can go on and on, but we got to wrap up this interview. Uh, why don't we finish by having you tell our listeners where they can find you, and then we'll say goodbye. Well, if they go to our website, Bloomwork, B-L-O-O-M-W-O-R-K, if they can remember Bloomwork, if they can remember Linda Bloom, if they can remember Charlie Bloom, it'll take them to our site. And all the links to the four sites where we blog, our books are on there, the workshops that we teach on the East Coast, the West Coast, and wherever we're teaching, they can always find us. Where well, listeners can find that website and all of the information and links of today's episode on idopodcast.com. Go to the podcast tab and you'll be in the archives. And again, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show and share all your generous knowledge. Great. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Chase. Been a pleasure. Hi, Sarah here. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so through Patreon, Amazon, or audible.com. All the links are on the bottom of our show notes page on idopodcast.com and in the description for this episode. Also, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe on iTunes. We appreciate it so much. Thanks. 
You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.